letting you know what's going on without going on and on and on. Welcome to a fast-paced way to get caught up on all the day's biggest local stories from News Talk 830-WCCO. This is the All Local. With Friday's WCCO All Local, I'm Lindsay Peterson. Today's stories include new legislation that could help enrollment at two-year colleges, a stabbing at a Minneapolis light rail station, and how some of those fish get into the lakes you'll be on this fishing opener weekend. But we'll begin with the funeral for a St. Croix County Sheriff's deputy shot and killed during a traffic stop last weekend. Here's Laura Oaks. Friends, family, and more than 1,500 law enforcement officers from all over the country are gathered in the Hudson High School Gymnasium for the funeral of fallen St. Croix County Sheriff's Deputy Katie Lysing. She loved reading puzzles and spending time outdoors, camping, hiking, kayaking, water skiing, and playing basketball. She relished in time spent on all things Harry Potter, watching crime shows, and cheering on the Denver Broncos despite it putting strain on her marriage with her Packer-loving wife. The 29-year-old Lysing was shot and killed during a traffic stop last week. She had just returned from maternity leave after giving birth to a baby boy. I'm Steve Simpson. Friends and family gathering tonight in the St. Anthony Park neighborhood of St. Paul for a vigil to remember Michael Brazel. He's the 44-year-old youth hockey coach, husband, father, who was shot and killed last weekend while trying to prevent somebody from... Getting into his wife's car, Jenny McNatton attended last night's visitation and talked with WCCO Television. A cornerstone of the community, um, quiet, you uh, know, you know, unassuming type of way. Um, so incredibly patient with those kids. It, you know, he taught kids how to skate. That I don't know any other coaches that would have taken the time. Police have arrested a 17-year-old in connection with Brazel's death. Tonight's vigil takes place at Langford Park. You'd think that most Minnesotans would know by now that it's illegal to use your cell phone and drive. But apparently a lot of folks are not following the rules. The Minnesota State Patrol announcing just how many people were cited for distracted driving in the month of April alone. 3,427 drivers that were cited for hands-free cell phone violations is inexcusable. Spokesperson Gordon Shank says the examples he's seen personally have been outrageous. I mean, I stopped a driver that was um, using a cell phone for a text and he had his kids in the car. And getting a ticket is not cheap. For your first citation with hands-free, it's $125 and every one after that is 350 The law went into effect in 2019 and he hopes either by citation or good conscience People take heed. Susie Jones, News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm Laura Oaks. The Minnesota Senate today votes on a public safety bill that includes background checks for gun purchases between two private parties. The measure also includes a red flag bill that allows a judge to take away a gun from someone deemed at risk of causing harm. Those two items were approved by conference committees earlier this week. Democrats hold a slim one-vote majority in the state Senate. There's an effort underway to commemorate what was one of northeastern Minnesota's top tourist attractions. WCCO's Steve Simpson reports. Opening in 1891 and shutting down for good in 1939, the Duluth Incline Railway ran from Skyline Parkway along 7th Street almost to the shores of Lake Superior. All that's left in the West Hillside neighborhood are the stairs that were built alongside the tracks where a pair of cable cars would go up and down the half-mile line. Nearly everyone who would have ridden the incline are gone now, and local preservationists are working to make sure it's not forgotten. They've started a fundraising effort to pay for a series of interpretive signs to be placed at different locations along 7th Street. They plan to install the markers sometime next year. New legislation may change a trend in low attendance at two-year colleges. 
Here's Taylor Rivera. Minnesota State's two-year colleges suffered more than any other institution during the pandemic. Now, with free tuition agreements for low-income students passing in the state Senate, enrollment is expected to grow. Minnesota State College Faculty's President Kevin Lindstrom says they're ready for the potential rise in attendance. Enrollment has been in a downward trend for the past few years, so there certainly is institutional capacity for additional students. Lindstrom says two-year institutions have traditionally served low-income students and this program will only expand their reach. We see this program as an opportunity to give people a chance where they maybe wouldn't have seen it before. The program will cover tuition at public colleges for students whose families earn $80,000 a year and less. I'm Steve Simpson. Minnesota poised to become the 23rd state allowing legal marijuana sales following the passage of a a bill in the state house and senate this spring but before that can happen lawmakers from both chambers will have to iron out the differences between the two that'll happen for the first time in committee today the state of colorado legalized recreational marijuana 10 years ago and its state senator chris hansen told our adam and jordana yesterday they instituted checkpoints to deter impaired drivers He says it's proven effective. It's something Minnesota might want to consider. It's really helped improve public safety here. And, of course, we're checking to make sure people aren't high or drunk in those checkpoints. One difference in Minnesota's House and Senate bills is the amount a person can possess, both from home cultivation and store-bought bud. Both bills allow individuals to grow up to eight plants at home. Minnesota veterinarians say dog owners and boarding daycare businesses play a key role in keeping dog influenza numbers low statewide. While most cases of canine influenza include mild symptoms like cough, runny nose, and fever, not all dogs that are infected will show signs of illness. Dr. Veronica Barch at the Board of Animal Health says dog owners thinking about boarding options should ask the business about health screening and cleaning procedures and what they do if a dog does in fact become ill. We can provide all of the recommendations and guidelines, but you know it is up to each individual business to take it upon themselves to increase their cleaning and disinfection and health screening protocols and be proactive to keep their canine customers safe. Mark says dogs are able to transmit canine influenza just as easily outside as inside, usually through direct contact with other dogs. Mark Fry, News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm Steve Simpson. The Vikings, along with the rest of the NFL schedule, released last night. Minnesota will start the 2023 season on Sunday, September 10th, with a home game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs will be in town on Sunday, October 8th. The team has five primetime games on the schedule, including a New Year's Eve matchup at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Packers. If you are one of thousands of Minnesotans heading out to take part in the annual fishing opener, you may just want to take a second and think about those fish in the lake and just how they got there. We are in the what we call the wet lab. Genevieve Fertner is kind of like the mother of walleye at the Minnesota DNR's St. Paul Fish Hatchery. She tends lovingly to a record 42 million eggs, all lined up in tubes in what's called the battery. They are just the tiniest, tiny walleye. You can't even imagine how small they are. They're like the the size of like a um, like a pinhead almost. Now, once hatched, the babies swim out of that tube through an intricate system of hoses where they end up ready to grow more in one of the holding ponds before being released into the wild. It takes a couple years to get to that size. They've got to do a lot, a lot of growing. She says less than 1% of the baby walleye survive, so count yourself lucky if you catch one this weekend. Susie Jones, News Talk 8 
330-WCCO. A local music movement hopes to help children struggling with mental health. Here's Taylor Rivera. Tom Fugelberg is a creator of music project Songs Written in the Key of Hope. It is a Minneapolis-based songwriting project that makes it goal uh, spreading hope and love through music. The project already includes collaborators like Prince's longtime keyboardist and a former bandmate of Kelly Clarkson's. Fugelberg's goal is to create a fully realized project to raise funds for local youth and mental health services. That became a real focal point for us. How do we shine a ray of hope into the places that are sometimes the last places to receive it? Songs written in the key of hope desires to attract more musicians to the project, as well as a local mental health organization partner. Finally today, there's a new chaperone policy at Valley Fair, which opens for the season this weekend. Anyone 15 or younger will need to be accompanied by someone 21 or older after 4 p.m., Officials with the Shakopee Amusement Park say the chaperones don't need to necessarily stay with the kids they're supervising, but must stay in the park and be available by phone. The new policy stems from an increasing number of unruly incidents and inappropriate behavior at Valley Fair over the last couple of years. Anyone under 15 caught in the park after 4 p.m. will be subject to ejection, that according to the park's code of conduct. Steve Simpson. News Talk 830 WCCO. Thanks for listening to WCCO's All Local. You can find each day's All Local and all of our podcasts at WCCORadio.com or by downloading the Odyssey app. I'm Lindsay Peterson, News Talk 830 WCCO.